podcast about freedom and capitalism. So I've got something for you. Okay. I'm not sure it's going to work. But well, we'll while, you, while you're anyway. doing that, would you like some mystery scotch? Mystery scotch. So this was in. Um, uh, it was in my hip flask. You gave <laughs> You've me. got the glasses already. Yeah, I'm doing it. I didn't use this by house. I didn't even notice you'd done that. <laughs> right. I'm not even sure how to articulate this now. Well, I want to. I want to talk about people's propensity to collectivize. Right. And. I suppose the point is that in our in our moral libertarian framework, anyone's allowed to do anything that they like as long as they don't hurt others and force others to do it. So if people want to collectivise, then they can, as long as it's voluntary. But I suppose I wanted to talk to you about what your thoughts are on people's desires to do that. Is it is it an innate human characteristic to want to band together to do things and is it an innate characteristic that they want to band together but they want someone else to organize them for them in order to get some of these things done Um, do they want to be ruled (laughs) i i mean that's a yeah that's a great question um Yes, they do. Why Why they do that? Is that because... So in our last podcast, we talked about people being institutionalised. Yeah. Is it because it's some innate thing in, you know, just in, in the way that the human brain works? Or is it because they've just been institutionalised? For generations and generations. For generations and generations, there's, there's been no other way. So there's been no need to even think about another way of doing things. So I think, yes, people do want to be governed because they... They don't know any different. They don't know any different. Um, And they've been, you know, we talked about state schools being little communist factories. Um, (laughs) You know, so you spend 20 years in these institutions and you're going to get a bit institutionalised anyway. Yeah. Plus the fact that there's been government for hundreds of of, years, um, thousands of years. Um, So people have always been ruled and and they've always been overlords. and you get you, you do get Stockholm syndrome. You know, you, you, your your brain will automatically try and try and you know compensate for this by you know by thought by way of cognitive dissonance. It will say no. You know what? It's a good thing. But my master is it looking after be. me. It must be a good thing because it would be too hard and too traumatic for the brain to actually think. Hang on, I've been under you know under, under tyranny my entire life. Is a company a private company? form of collectivization um i i don't i don't think so but it is a group of people coming together with a common purpose i mean you could argue that a perhaps a cooperative is but a company right. that's just people are know, working for the company voluntarily they are and they get it but they're getting and they're getting paid. You could, you could, I guess you could argue that perhaps voluntary organisations and charities could be. Um, but a company that I am paying you to do something, uh, there's an exchange there. Um, you're talking about if you're the boss and I'm the yeah, worker. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm boss and, and your I'm, management. I'm, I'm, I'm paying you yeah. something um, to do whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, I'm not saying that there isn't a transaction or trade involved. I don't necessarily think that that's, collect, that's collectivisation. So you're gathering together the people you need the skills you need the resources you need to 
fulfill your vision, which is to I mean, provide something. Yes, yeah, so there you are, can't do it without other people. So you're gathering people together. I'm not. This isn't a trick question. I mean, so the the company is say say I own the company. The company is me, uh, and they're my you know the the my ends that I want. Is Whereas, it only collectivization if it's owned by all the people? Is that kind of what you're getting at? No, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting at that I the reason I, I you know I'm I'm doing whatever it is my company does is to you know, perhaps it's to it's make because your choice to yeah. make money for me for my yeah. company. It's my it's my ends. Yeah. Um, they're different ends from the people that work for me who, you know, the transactions I will pay them for yeah. their services. Well, and it's and likely that you're not do just things. doing it for the money either. You know, you're... But it, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think it matters. No. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's, I, I'm doing this, you know, we, we're getting different things from this. So I the collectivization is the same goal, I would say. Right. Okay. And so collectivization. I mean, you, just, you just landed this on me, so this, this no, is no. me thinking in real time about, well, about what we this. did last, what you did with me last time. <laughs> um, I, I just think it's worth exploring the ideas around what groups of people can do and whether groups of people need leaders and whether groups of people... I, there is, again, this is a term that's thrown out, the cult of the individual. Yeah, these are... These are the things that are thrown at libertarians and, uh, and, and, and ANCAPs and whatever else, individualists, whatever you want to call them. The cult of the individual, like it's, like it's horrible. And there are very few people who actually articulate what the, what the power of the individual should actually mean in moral terms. And we try to do that here at Sounding Board. But I just think it's worth acknowledging that groups exist that people will get together and do something. You might convince the people that live on your street to come with you and pick up all the litter. And there's no transactions necessarily involved. There's, there's no ownership of anything involved, but you managed to convince them and you all got together and you all did something. And that that is something that human beings do. And as soon as you do involve a transaction, that's not to say that you haven't said, I'll tell you what, if you can give me a hand doing the litter picking, I'll help you do your garden or whatever. It's not to say that there aren't trades happening all over the place. And that also, if you're nice to someone, that they'll probably be nice to you back at some point. Trades happen all day. It's one of the most basic, basic things. Um, but the idea that you can get together to provide a service and there can be monetary transactions involved to pay people's wages to get them to do something, uh, to get something done. Um, it, is, it is the power of the group. Now, yes, an individual had the vision um, and the drive and was willing to take the risk, um, but no one ever did anything on their own, you know, in, in, these, in, these, big, in these big organizations doing big things. The group's important. And I suppose I just wanted to acknowledge that almost. Yeah. So can you can you just reach over in my rucksack? Uh, the, is this mystery scotch number no, two? That's, so that's um, that's Highland Park. Uh, this the, is what you're working on. Yeah, yeah. So what what I, 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 will, I will talk for a moment while you while you grab the scotch. So um, I think we should probably at some point um, actually define collectivism. Yeah. Um, because I don't think it's I don't think it's obvious what it is I don't think it's whatever that whiskey was very easy to drink yeah I think it might be Singleton of Dufftown yeah 
Um, so I think I think we we probably need to describe what what collectivism was. I, I I always I tend to think of collectivism meaning that collective is more important than the individual. Right. Um, and it's 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 about you know it's about doing doing what's best for the group. Harris over, Tweed. Harris Tweed. Yeah. <laughs> doing doing what's best for the group. For, for our audio listeners, that's uh, that's on the hip flask. You've got a Harris Tweed hip flask. Of course I have. Proper Harris Tweed. Of course. Nice. Um, so yeah, collectivism. I think is is all about. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Cheers again. Um, collectivism is all about you know overruling the individual and doing what's best for the group, no matter what. Often with force. Yes. Um, so I've got nothing. I've got nothing against people coming together and forming groups to you know to have a soup kitchen, for example. You know who yeah. who would be against that or providing yeah. any kind of good you know good or service to homeless people, for example. Um, there doesn't need to be any transactions involved. Um, everything can be voluntary, um, like you say. You know, keeping the keeping the, the you know the litter off the streets and and keeping yeah. the environment um, you know healthy and, and, and fine is nobody would argue with that. Um, so by when I when I talk about being against collectivism, it's forced collectivism. Um, yes. So I, I need to double check whether the the term collectivism actually contains force. But that's what mm. I'm, that's what I'm against. It's so overruling the individual. Um, if an individual is doing something as a group uh, voluntarily, yep. of course I've got. No, if I'm, I'm all for groups coming together to to achieve things, and of course under capitalism, that's much more because of the transactions. That's much more likely. Think of the think of the biggest amounts of cooperation you can. And it will be something to do with a supply chain for like an iPhone or something. You know, think yeah. of the, the thousands of components made all over the world that, that come together um, to, to build this fantastic bit of kit that you have in your pocket, um, or, or your computer, or your car, or or whatever. It, it's like having. I think uh, I've heard I've heard people like um, Matt Ridley talk about uh, talk about this. It's like having, you know, it's like having fifty thousand servants doing the tiny individual tasks that they had to do in the supply chain in order to make that from the person um you know mining the the, the copper out of the ground uh to the person putting the the you know the phone into the box before it got shipped to you um and of course it's all done in bulk so that the price so the price is cheaper and it's all split between you know everyone who buys this iphone and you can get one um, for you know, for a few hundred pounds, and if you think, like you say, you think of what's gone into that. It's yeah, amazing. The alternative to that is saying, "I big bad state." They don't necessarily consider themselves big bad, <laughs> but I'm saying, "I the state um, consider that everyone should have one of these, or that certain people even doesn't even have to be all people. Certain people should have one of these, but I'm going to take the money off of everyone in order to in order to sort it out." Uh, and oh, look, look, look at this massive pile of cash I've now got in order to do this. Should be easy, but again, because the money's guaranteed and etc. 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 The government would never make an iPhone. Can you can you imagine how bad, yeah, the phones would be if the if the if the government took it took it over? I spent I spent the day talking to people from a company who have more experience dealing with the public sector and business than I do. Uh, it's not something I've, I've worked for the public sector. I've worked for um, kind of the Quango sector as well. Um, obviously worked more for private companies, but I've never been a supplier of the public sector. And in uh, the telecoms industry, 
or in, in tech in general, um, there are there are various public sector um, ways of getting contracts. Um, the public sector network, uh, there's a health one, HSCN, uh, to become an, a, an, a, an official cloud hosting or connectivity provider to uh, to big government, uh, big government, and to health authorities and commissioning agencies and local councils and all this kind of stuff. And the stories today of not cost, well, in fact, no costs, costs versus prices of things in being sold to the public sector are astonishing. And let, let, let's be clear, this wasn't these people saying to me, so it only costs me a thousand pounds and I sell it for 50,000 pounds. This was going into this realm at wanting to sell something at a reasonable profit, but seeing the incumbent large organisations that have got the current contracts sewn up, absolutely gouging them. Now, whether or not that I even agree that anyone can be price gouged, I think that's a, we could do a whole topic on just price I, I, gouging. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that yeah. at some stage. Um, but... If we if we take something that costs and in this example about a hundred and twenty pounds, right? Let's just for argument's sake saying with administration and everything else, this something this service costs five hundred pounds a month. Is it <laughs> could, an organisation charging half a million pounds over three years for that? That's quite a good deal for the person doing the charging. Would, would would you agree? Oh, absolutely. But and the, the the fact is, no one in the private sector would pay that for that service. No one. Um, and that's not to say that high margins don't exist. But that margin is stratospheric, isn't it? That's that's it is. I wouldn't. But only the public sector pay those things. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind how big a margin is, as long as it's voluntary. I agree, and I'm um, saying, and, and you know me, you know this is about value, and if someone thinks it's that valuable, they'll pay for it. But some, we've some, talked in the, about in the private sector, someone will, will undercut it. If, if there's such a margin, then okay, you and I will go into business and make it for not quite as much of a margin. Well, I turned, I turned around to these guys and said, "Shall we all do it for four hundred thousand? Uh, you know, big laughs. Um, but the the way that the state procures things and the way that the state um, arranges for tenders and contracts and all of this, um, there's almost no incentive for them to go for the lower prices or for them to investigate what they should be. Or the people that work for the state are just so clueless that they think that's what it is. Again, one of the as side stories to this was other organisations that saw that this particular government body had bought this thing for half a million quid. It made them think that they couldn't possibly afford it because they saw that this other sister organisation in the public sector had bought this for half a million quid. And so they didn't even bother asking this other organisation for it. Well, I know that'll be too expensive for me. What do you mean? Well, they're they're paying half a million quid for it. They're like, what 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 are you? Do? I can do that for a for a for a fraction of the cost. Oh no no no! Wait a minute! How can you possibly do that? This is really expensive. 
No, it's not. Well, well I'm not going to touch that because that might be... They, they consider then the cheap product to be the snake oil because someone else is paying a lot of money for it. And pricing is a, is a fantastic topic to get into. But it just, it does break down as soon as the public sector hits the private sector. Well, yeah, and, and as, as, soon as, as soon as you add that layer of abstraction between paying for, you know, paying for goods and how you, you know, how, how you pay for things. So, you know, that person who's, who's in procurement for the government, um, he gets his money to pay for that regardless. Yep. Um, uh, and there's no real incentive for him to get a good deal because he's going to get paid whatever. Whatever it costs, he'll just get the money anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 there are no incentives for, for saving money for the government. Um, but there's no incentive for, the, for any part of that to fail. And I think failure is so important. Do you know what, I ha- what phrase I hate? Failure is not an option. <laughs> I hate that phrase. Did a statist come up with that phrase? That phrase? Failure is a really, really important, important part of, of just everyday life, even when you take out the public and private sector. Failure is how you improve. Yeah, yeah, and and the way the way that I I so the, the way that I uh, get teams to improve and to be high performing is one of the things I do is I teach them how to fail, and I teach them how to fail. Is that do you talk about how to deal with failure? No, 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 not not just how to deal with failure, but how to fail quickly, how to get feedback on failure, right. and how to learn from it as quickly as possible. So if you're going to do something. You need to engineer it so that if it's going to fail, it's going to fail quickly, it's going to fail early, and you can get the feedback on it. Yes. So there, there are ways of thinking, well, you know, if this does fail, then that's great. We've learned really quickly. We've only spent a week doing it and not six yeah. months. Yeah. So you have to teach teams to embrace failure. And also there's this, there's this idea from, uh, that, that people, are, people often have that the road to success is just this line from like starting to success. Yeah. And if you if you get so far and you fail, you're like back to zero again. So no 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 no. You know, you might be fail, 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 and then eventually you get to success. But you can't get there without having failed along the way. Yeah. Um I saw a meme on this the other day. It was Right. It it, it was very much your yeah, starting point here, end point there. But the line just went yeah, went went back here a couple of times, and then eventually went went up there again. And it was yeah, it's a simple a simple visual image, but it was that's how you succeed. Yeah, you, you fail and you move on from that. You don't go back to where you were because you've got all that learning. You know that that's going to fail now, so you're not going to do it again. You're going to improve, and you you know you probably take some positive learning out of that experience as well. Yeah, and you kind of keep moving up until you get to the point where you, where you succeed. So it's all about learning how to fail and if you and, and engineering it so that if you're going to fail, you're going to fail quickly. There's, yeah. there's no incentive for that in the in the in the public sector. The things that things that fail just get more money and just get bigger and more yeah. bureaucracy and or just get, get or just get canned. And there's no institu- well, the point is there's no institutional learning, is there? It, so one of my favourites was always um, the six billion um, uh, NHS IT system. Oh yeah, that that never happened. I'd lo- I would have loved to have a piece of that. Um, I mean that was a that was a failed project, six billion pounds. Now I'm I'm assuming we're going to look back. Uh, already HS two has cost some ridiculous amount, um, but I'm just my just my just a natural assumption is it's going to be a complete failure. That there is going to be a point in time where it doesn't work, never will, or just gets again aborted 
further down the line. After we've spent 150 billion or something. Uh, yeah, and that will be one of those examples of, um, of failed government expenditure, if you can argue at all that any government expenditure is good. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the pricing mechanism, the way, the way that pricing works in the market, um, I think is a fascinating one. But it, it, when you've got this mythical 50-50 Boris Johnson style state and, uh, um, um, and public and private sector, how can you possibly put in? How, I mean, again, is, it just, is, is this just the classic Dominic Cummings, oh, I'm sure I can make the state more efficient if only we get some people from the private sector to come and do the procurement? I mean, is that just all they think? Is that how they think they're going to get their quick wins and their low, low-hanging fruit? Yeah, possibly, possibly. I mean, we, so we can now, we, now we're on video, I can do, I'll have to do an episode on, on supply and demand and how, okay. that, how it works, because that, that kind of really needs to be a visual thing where I've got like a whiteboard and I'm kind of drawing graphs and, you know, showing, you know, supply and demand curves and, and that kind of thing, but we should, yeah. we should we should look to do that. Well, I started this conversation on, um, on just asking you in general terms about collectivism and we've moved kind of further off that. Have you got, have you got anything else you want to say on humans acting as as groups or anything like that from what we originally no i mean there's the there's that that theory that lefties haven't moved on from the days of hunter gatherer isn't there about right and then there's only there's only one mammoth therefore we all need to share it yes um, and and they haven't moved that mindset on and they haven't realized that what may work in ancient times uh with a small village doesn't necessarily work with seven billion people. This yeah, is the concept of a zero scale. sum game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These things don't. One, it's not a zero sum game. Two, these things don't scale. Um, yeah. So the concept that you know we learned how to farm, or whether that's farming uh, the land or farming animals, we learned how to make things go further. And actually, that's been proved again and again and again, even over the last 50, 60 years, isn't it? Uh, you know, the green revolution, which. Um, I, I, I think that's that's a really interestingly named thing, the Green Revolution, because it's all about farming. It's all about um, growing more in a smaller amount of space. Um, and I'm sure that the Greenies don't like that that's called the Green Revolution because they want the Green Revolution to be, you know, their their communist utopia in order to stop us emitting carbon dioxide or whatever. Um, but I, I I love those wins uh that that happened to allow people to you know feed themselves and and, and do all this kind of stuff and that wasn't hundreds of years ago that and in fact it's still happening now well, if you look at what's happened yeah, in the yeah. last decade again we've managed to produce more food for less land and less water um less resources in general yeah well, we're still continuing to get better at, get a better better at farming and and now not as you know we don't like you say we can we can use far less land to farm because we're far better at it and the yields are so much better because yeah. of different you know like fertilizers and, and, and all sorts um can we just can we just touch on this um i know you talked about the greens for for a moment okay um so just, just while we're here yeah I, th- I think lots of us know that that they're basically to to quote James Dellingpole, the watermelons, and that they're green on the yes. outside and red on the inside, and it is basically just communism and socialism that, that, that they want. But it, this isn't this isn't said enough, um, and, and isn't really said at all much. But um, please say it. If there's one thing, if there's one thing on earth that's going to be that's going to prevent the advancement of you know like green technology and uh, you know like it's not it's going to 
make emissions worse and it's going to be socialism surely right you know look at look at the history of look at all who are the worst polluters on earth yeah and are the capitalists or are they socialists um you know are, are, we, are we socialists are seriously industrial that's that's part of the start isn't it of any socialist project is kind of putting people to work in the factories and things well yeah and, and of course you delay you, you you prevent innovation so things are yeah. not going to get any better under socialism because there's no incentive to do so there's no incentive to improve and, and there's no even if even if that's what you wanted to do how are you going to get permission from the rest of society to do this thing this idea that you might have but this is why they don't like nuclear power for example isn't it because that actually solves too many too many of their problems because it's and it's a massive technological innovation and in fact if if the nuclear industry were allowed to innovate then bill gates's next generation um uh, nuclear reactors would be out there um creating even safer nuclear energy there's an argument the nuclear energy is like basically the the safest that there is anyway um, I love, I haven't got the stats to hand. I need to memorise this particular stat. And it's the number of people that have died putting up solar panels by falling off roofs compared to the number of people who have died in nuclear accidents. <laughs> are, you, are you aware no, of this? No, one? No. Oh, it dwarfs it. Absolutely dwarfs it. If, you, if you're going to talk about deaths from energy policy, then the number of people who die by falling off a roof, fitting a solar panel... It's massive compared to those who've died hideously from nuclear nuclear accidents. It's, 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 it's tiny. Yeah, I mean, so you've got the, you've got the Bill Gates style of, of, of nuclear reactors that, that use nuclear waste. I mean, that's 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 amazing. And but, that are literally like bomb-proof, crash-proof. That what anything that happens to this thing, it just stops producing energy. That's the byproduct of it. It just stops producing. It doesn't doesn't go bad. <laughs> In the way that previous generations, yeah, did. and and I forget I forget which one we do and which one we don't. But there's fission and fusion, isn't it? And one yeah. we haven't really tapped into yet. Yeah, fusion. Uh, yeah, fusion. And and I was reading uh, an article by Matt Ridley about this. And, right. And, and the, the the benefits of that. I mean, there, there is such an opportunity there if only it's allowed. We're making the biggest progress on nuclear fusion in the UK. Um, just to put a nationalist out. <laughs> But UK scientists are making are making the biggest progress there. Uh, no, a, a, absolutely. If 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 there's a breakthrough of that kind, um, then that that's proper game changing stuff. Mm. And I think it's again it's worth saying, isn't it, that I'm not for pollution. <laughs> I'm not I'm I'm not for harming the environment. Well, so okay, so you touch on pollution. There were there were some really good laws. Um, before the industrial revolution yes. on pollution and you know the, the you you had the ability to take you know like a factory to court for example if, if, if a factory built built itself next to your house um and was you know pumping out these thick smoke. gases and thick yeah. smoke and whatever uh you could you could originally you could sue them yeah these laws were taken away in the name of progress by the state yeah so in, in, in a libertarian society when, when we were more libertarian we did have laws against this kind of thing and there were you know you could you could you know get, get compensation or whatever or you know get them to shut down or whatever um so there were means get them to improve their practices yeah, yeah. So, where they weren't polluting so like there that. were means to deal with this problem that, that were taken away so the, the idea that a libertarian society couldn't couldn't deal with this is that like, well, we, we did already it was it was the government that took this away do you think 
that progress would have been yeah in the name of progress you say do you think progress would have been halted do you think that it would have been slowed down do you think that the industrial revolution would have would have slowed down at that point if that if those laws hadn't been no of course not it? of course not so how would it how would it have worked I, I, I think that they would have had to have been a bit more careful where they built the factories um, you know think of them even, even now only something like 6% of Britain is built on yes um, so back in the day when we had like a you know a quarter of the population we had now or, or, or fewer um, yeah there, there was absolutely no need to take away to take away those laws absolutely no need yeah whatsoever no I think that's a great answer I think uh, the, the concept that you had to build a factory around loads of houses I mean I suppose you've got you've got to think about transport of workers and, and all this kind of stuff um, but uh, uh, no, I think uh, I think I think it would only have driven innovation. Uh, uh, yeah, that that's the good part of 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 the law in that you know working in that way of the court system working in that way. Mm. Um, in much the same way as you know everyone getting together and saying that smoking is bad and you've given me lung cancer, so therefore you should do something about it. You know, tobacco companies or whatever. Um, it's yeah. But it, I know, and we said in the past, even if there, you know, there might be a way that, that you know, you could, even if you could prove that taking away that law actually encouraged production and encouraged the economy, um, I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care. You could, you could force people to work seven days a week, sixteen yes. hours a day, and you would get, you know, you, you could, you could increase productivity. This, this is the point. This is the point. And uh, yeah, I'll refer you to China in the last couple of weeks building a hospital in you know 48 hours or whatever it doesn't mean that was the right way to do it. it doesn't mean that those people doing the building were in um you know humane conditions <laughs> um you know we don't know how many people died making that hospital there's a very strong chance that you know the strong arm of the state uh, made it happen in you know all sorts of, yeah, of course, all sorts of, of ways. Chinese state owns everything. You, and, and this this again is the problem with measuring production, isn't it? It's the the problem with measuring growth, it's uh, it's that you can be um, Keynesian in your methods of I'll dig this hole, then I'll fill it in again. Look, activity, activity, things are happening. That must be growth. Uh, it's just the wrong way. Wrong way. Yeah, you only have to look at you only have to look at when we have serious wars that you know GDP goes up. <laughs> yeah. That's, not is that a good, a good thing? thing, guys? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but my, yeah, so my, my point was just that if 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 global if anthropo, if catastrophic anthropogenic global warming did exist, yeah, it doesn't. But if it did, and there and there was one thing that was going to prevent that from prevent us from from curing it or fixing it, then socialism would be it. Yeah, that would be the one thing that would stop it. Yeah, it kills innovation. I'll agree with that. I think that's a simple enough place to to leave it we have gone in a few different directions um on that one but i like those kind of chats thanks very much for listening to sounding board and uh, for watching us on youtube you can subscribe you can share please rate review uh, and see you again next time